Exploremore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. Chapter 30 Tibetan Treasures 14th to the 20th of October 1977 India Back in convoy with our Swiss companions, we left Lahore at 7.30 and went along the Grand Trunk Road that led to the border crossing. The road was already in full swing, with a mixture of traffic and animals moving along. It was unfortunate that early on the journey we had a puncture, so we all waited for Alec as he switched the damaged wheel with a spare one. In Pakistan we were impressed by the smart military police and customs officials and we were equally taken by the striking turban-wearing soldiers at the Indian border. There the efficient customs clerk had an eye for detail when, for the first time in all our travels, he noticed a discrepancy on our car documents. He observed that there was no registration number on the vehicle carnet and the chassis number was incorrect. Suspicion aroused, he informed the officer in charge. Then the captain himself carried out a thorough inspection of the contents of the roof box and all the storage space within the vehicle, including underneath the bed. Fortunately, he found nothing untoward and gave us the go-ahead, despite the inconsistencies on our documents. Thankfully, Jean-Luc and Martin had no problems. We drove a distance away, out of the vision of the border guards, and pulled onto a clearing beside the road, shaded by the trees and overlooking rice fields. The adrenaline surge from the uncertainty of the outcome at the border had given us all an appetite for lunch. A small herd of water buffalo ambled by with their young herdsman, who walked along with his stick held behind his neck, his hands holding each end. He stood for a while and watched us, before hustling his animals along the road, from where they had stopped to graze on the grassy verge. In the following days we headed north, firstly to Kashmir in Srinagar, where we stayed one night, and then northeast towards Ladakh, Little Tibet, a region we hadn't anticipated visiting. Five days after arriving in India, we were high in the mountains. At six in the morning, it was only 32 degrees Fahrenheit, rather fresh to say the least. The water in the vehicle had iced over, and the engine was slow to start as we prepared to set off. A beautiful, clear morning as the sun highlighted the stunning view below, where the river meandered along the valley floor. Rugged mountains were all around, with Namakala at 12,198 feet, regally adorned with its glistening white snow cape. At the village of Mulbeg, we noticed the striking architecture of the houses in the region, very attractive, sturdy white houses, two to three stories high. Some had balconies and all had smart glass-paned wooden-framed windows. On a few houses, the windows were creatively installed together on two walls at the corner 
affording spectacular views. The road took us up and through the Namakala Pass, a rocky brown mountain landscape. A military convoy overtook us as we enjoyed driving along the excellent tarmac road. Men and women were busy with road maintenance. It was an incredible climb to reach the highest point of the Srinagalay Road at 13,479 feet. The descending, winding road was an amazing feat of engineering. The attractive scene of Lamayoru region was laid out before us, with the stunning coloured rock faces being explored by a small flock of mountain goats and sheep. Their nimble shepherd boy boldly jumped from rock to rock. At the bottom of the pass, the road followed the course of the striking turquoise blue river for several miles. Then it left the riverside and followed a dry barren valley, climbing out onto a plateau where the road was unusually straight and flat. We could see for some 50 miles ahead with snow-capped mountain ranges all around. Leaving the high plateau, the road wended its way down to a forested valley in all its autumnal glory. We were thrilled to arrive safely in the town of Ley, and we parked in the grounds of the new Ley Motel, prepared and ate supper, then went early to bed. After a delicious pancake breakfast, we were ready to explore. The town was abuzz with the locals, who welcomed us and were quite happy for us to take their photos too. There was little traffic on the streets. An old man held the wooden handle of his personal prayer wheel. The cylindrical carved wooden barrel turned around and around as he mumbled prayers under his breath. A younger man was wearing a wide-brimmed hat and his long hair was in two plaits tied together. Dressed in earthy-coloured clothes, he looked like a tracking scout from a Wild West movie. The Tibetans' clothing fascinated me. Very warm ethnic outfits with a dramatic addition of distinctive hats. The women and teenage girls wore straight and loose trousers, either brightly coloured or in a sombre dark tone. Over the trousers they wore heavy wrap-around, long-sleeved midi-length coats which were made of either woolen cloth, corduroy or velvet in black or brown, lined with a brightly coloured fabric. Over the coats, they each had a brocade waistcoat with a mandarin collar, and draped from their shoulders was an embroidered tasseled shawl. Their thick black, plaited hair reached far down to their lower backs. It was interwoven with wool, and the two plaits were tied together with ribbons at the end. On their heads, they wore fascinating tall hats with deep wings on each side, made from either quilted brocade or velveteen in black, brown or purple, lined with red. A couple of women each wore a black fur hat of a slightly different shape, with an extra flap of stiff fabric which curled back from the forehead and went down over to the nape of their neck. This panel was decorated with flat chips of turquoise stone sewn in place. High cosy boots made of knitted wool with leather soles completed their outfit. The men wore similar coats, some made of sheepskin, others a maroon woolen fabric. Their hats were lined with sheepskin and they had boots like mukluks. Babies and some of the children wore knitted woolen hats. 
The women carried their babies on their backs, held by lengths of fabric tied around their middles. Some of the ladies were busy knitting gloves, socks and hats, using four steel knitting needles each, creating intricate, colourful designs with seemingly no printed pattern. The intimate social interaction between the people was very noticeable, especially after weeks of travelling through Muslim countries, where men and women had separate daily activities and were clearly not free to show any warmth to each other in public. Here amongst the Tibetan people, we saw men and women holding hands as they walked along the street. I saw teasing, laughing and much smiling amongst the people of all ages. It was warm and appealing and made for a comfortable atmosphere for us foreigners. The tea shop served hot milky tea in glasses, savoury snacks and fudge-like sweets to tempt us. The general shops sold everything from tea leaves to bras. The butchers had very primitive facilities. There were also cloth merchants, tailors, hat makers and boot craftsmen. The embroidered felt boots were fashioned with thick soles. Vegetable traders, mostly women, sat on the ground with a cloth spread out displaying their limited produce, carrots, cauliflowers, cabbages and potatoes. A pack pony down from the mountains with his rugged, wild-looking owner had come to lay to collect supplies. Tourist shops were open to cater for the few intrepid visitors who ventured so far in the northeast of India, hundreds of miles away from the typical Indian tourist sites that we had yet to explore. Buddhist prayer wheels, metal bells, jewellery, embroidered shawls, traditional clothing and very attractive small dragon-patterned carpets were on sale. We stopped to examine the precious and semi-precious stones on display. I was attracted to the rich, deep purple Alexandrite stones that were ready-cut. I thought one would make a pretty ring, being in one of my favourite colours and bearing the name of my man. There was one weighing four carats that caught my eye. At 25 rupees a carat, that would be 100 rupees, which was roughly £7.50. An expensive souvenir for us at that time, so we didn't make a purchase. The town well explored, we wandered along the back alleys and through low, dark tunnels connecting the houses. The warm, rural smell of the cows in their sleeping quarters wafted our way. Walking close to the houses, we could see the attractive carved woodwork of the doors and windows that showed another example of creative and detailed craftsmanship. A full and satisfying day drew to a close. Back at the Land Rover, I cooked the fresh white cauliflower I had brought from one of the veggie ladies and poured over a tasty hot cheese sauce made from cheese powder. This was followed by sweet, warm pink blancmange and tea. We enjoyed a peaceful, contented sleep that night in a remote and fascinating part of the world. Total distance driven, 27,480 miles. You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a Devil or Two to Boot by Alec and Jan Foreman, presented by Explore More. 
Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot com.